There's an old Broadway show from the 50s, and you all are way too young to know about it, by the name of Hell's a Poppin'. You guys get the impression that Hell's a Poppin' right now? After the inauguration, it was like the whole other side of the political spectrum just went nuts. I am sort of coming to the conclusion that things are moving right now. You know, we got the March to Life, and contrasted with the March for Death that happened immediately after the inauguration. On Tuesday night, Tom was praying, and he was praying about Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God. And then we had today in the readings this battle psalm, Psalm 46, which is a wartime psalm. And I thought, wow, one of the things that we see in the secular side of the world, the mask is coming off. What Satan has been doing all these times is sort of disguising what he's doing under high-sounding phrases. So, for example, death is choice. And the mask is coming off of this stuff, and people are recognizing the severity of the conflict that we're in. So what I want to talk to you about today is the conflict we're in and what your part is in that conflict. And I'm going to spend time in Ephesians 6, so those of you who want to follow along can find that. Now, as we were reading Psalm 46, did anybody notice what's wrong with it? I'll read it for you. Not all of it, but just a part of it. Starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very great help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble in its dwelling, Selah, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So what's wrong? Where's the city of God? Jerusalem. There's no river. There's no river that goes through Jerusalem. The nearest river is the River Jordan, which is some 2,000 feet below and over there. And in fact, to get water into Jerusalem, Hezekiah had to make tunnels through the stone and all that kind of stuff. There is no river. Hmm. Now, it's the word of God, right? So we ought to be able to work this through. In fact, part of your prayer this morning, Catherine, where you were saying rivers of living water will flow from our hearts, and that, by the way, is a quote from the book of John. I'll read it in its entirety. John 7.37. In the last day of the feast, this is the feast of Sukkot, in the last day of the feast, the great day, Yeshua stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Yeshua was not yet glorified. So what I'm going to suggest to you is the psalm is not talking about a geographic... Actually, maybe it is. Well, let's look at maybe another passage of Scripture. I want to read from Revelation 22. This is also from Ezekiel 47 and Zechariah 14. I'm going to read it out of Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, 
Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And of course in the Ezekiel passage, it starts at the mercy seat of God, and it flows out, and it goes into the Dead Sea and into the Mediterranean, and life comes up from this river, and the tree of life grows along the river, and you have the fruit and the leaf and so forth. So this is a recurrent theme in Scripture. So the idea that there is a river that flows through Jerusalem is in fact scriptural, although there is not now a physical river there. The psalmist is looking also to the future, as is Revelation, as is Ezekiel and Zechariah. So, what I'm going to suggest to you is what's being talked about here is not a physical river. What's being talked about is us. And if you go back to John, where those who have the Spirit of God, rivers of living water flow from their belly. And the living water is for the healing of the nations. So the living water that is supposed to be flowing from you is for the healing of the nations. And I will suggest that we have a nation right now that needs healing. And one of the things that I was fascinated by, and I'll talk about this more in Midrash, is as I was listening to Ray read from the Torah, one of the things that gets said over and over again as God brings plagues upon Egypt is this is to let the Egyptians or Pharaoh know that I am God. We've said this lots of times in the past. If God had just simply wanted his people out of there, he could have basically, all right, we'll do the plague of darkness. Well, everybody is stumbling around looking for something. All you Israelites, up, oh, let's go. Because remember, during the plague of darkness, there is light in Goshen. So God could have done this in 20 minutes. Not a problem at all. He didn't do that. What he did is he goes through this elaborate series of events, and the purpose, as stated by God, is to let Egypt know that he is God. So what he's doing is he is doing this for the redemption of Egypt. God doesn't give up on Egypt. And after the inauguration, the next day, you had this insane spectacle of women with these stupid pink hats. Now, when I was growing up, the idea of having your head stuck up your nether parts was an insult. So here they are walking around with, symbolically, their heads stuck up their nether parts, and they're just all proud of this. This is insane. And I'm not being hyperbolic here. These people are literally nuts. And the whole purpose about this is sex without life. That's what they're worshiping. That's what the homosexual movement is about. That's what the transgender movement is about. That's what the abortion movement is about, is sex without life. Because Satan can't make people stop 
coming together. That's too powerful. What Satan can do, however, is make that coming together sterile so that no life comes forth from it. And that's what these people who are insane are worshiping. And just as God didn't give up on the Egyptians, we should not give up on them. Egypt used to be a Christian country. Alexandria was one of the major centers of the worship of God, Torah study, Bible study, all those kinds of things. So God didn't give up on the Egyptians, and you shouldn't give up on Madonna, Miley Cyrus, you know, all of these literally insane women. And unfortunately, most of them are women at this point. Not all, but most. So, what I'm suggesting to you is that the battle psalm that we just read is really talking about us. And it's really talking about the fact that we are the source of the river that should be flowing out from under the temple in Jerusalem. It's like blue drops of rain and none of us form the flood, but together as we fall on the temple and we go out from there, we should be this river of living water that God is talking about. So, what I want to talk to you about then is how to do that. And that's where we're going to go to Ephesians 6. And this is Paul. Most of you who have been around can probably quote most of this, but I'm going to go ahead and read it for you anyway. So in Ephesians 6.10, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Does that sound like where we are? And the people who have had deception pulled down over their heads like pink hats, they're deceived. And their deception has literally driven them quite mad. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of faith, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, Paul, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, I'm going to talk about each one of those things, and we'll take them in order. The belt of truth. What's the primary weapon of the enemy? Lies. So if you are not speaking the truth, you're starting off ineffective. So this belt of truth that you put on is so that you understand what is true, and you know what's true because you all have a copy of the scriptures available to you. You know what's true. And you put that belt of truth on so that you don't lie, you don't mislead, you don't dissemble, and the truth is sort of the foundation of everything you're going to do. Breastplate of righteousness. That's Torah. And a lack of personal righteousness will invalidate your testimony. So if you are going out and explaining to these 
crazy people why what they're doing is wrong and you yourself are not presenting an example of living according to the word of God they will simply look at you and shake their heads and walk away because they will say you're a hypocrite so this breastplate of righteousness if you will is again part of your defense and it's also part of your witness because without it you're ineffective the shoes of readiness I kind of like that one. Y'all may remember one of the things that Mr. Trump did was play the battle hymn of the Republic as he was standing at the Lincoln Memorial, and uh, really great. But there's a line in the battle hymn of the Republic that I just love. Be swift my soul to answer him, be jubilant my feet. Him being, of course, Yeshua. So the idea that your feet are always shod and ready to answer him jubilantly. In other words, your feet run joyously to wherever it is he has called you. So the idea then that the shoes of readiness, which is what Ephesians says, I'm suggesting to you echoed then in the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I mean, the lady who wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic certainly <laughs> knew her scriptures, and I suspect that's where she got that line. Let me read it again in the scriptures. Verse 15, I'm back in Ephesians 6, 15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel of peace is the thing that you are carrying. And the idea there is your feet are going where he's called you to go and they are doing it in jubilation. Shield of faith. What's faith? Faith is knowing that he is able to do what he says he will do. So what you're doing is you are going forth in the assurance that this truth that you are carrying is something that he is able to make perfect in you. By that, you are able then to quench the fiery darts that come to you from the... In other words, what's going to happen is people are going to come after you and say, well, that's true for you. Have you ever heard... That's... That is the stupidest thing you've ever heard. That's true for you, but not for me. Have you ever heard that? That's just stupid. And you have my permission to say that, by the way. Okay? It doesn't make any sense. Truth is. The other one that's kind of fun that's come up lately is alternative facts. You've been hearing that one? What they're going to do is come after you and say, that's true for you, but not for me, or I have alternative facts, or whatever. And what the shield of faith does is it enables you to absorb that and say, no, you're nuts. There's only one truth. Now, you may not know what it is and you may not understand it, but there is only one truth. The helmet of salvation. What that tells you is you are protected from death. The helmet of salvation. And what you have in your salvation is the assurance that ultimately they can't harm you. Now physically they may be able to, but ultimately they can't. If you read the letters of soldiers during the Civil War, on both sides they believed that they were fighting for something transcendent. And their letters were things like, tomorrow we're going into battle. I may not survive, but I know that the cause in which I am fighting is just and the fact that I am putting my life up there is worth it. Which is to say, 
I may physically die, but I am not going to die. That's what the helmet of salvation tells you. As you go into this battle, you may in fact get roughed up, but you will not die because he has you in his hand. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit. And everybody says, that's your only offensive weapon. Well, that's not really quite true because without the proper rest of your kit on, the sword becomes ineffective because you never get a chance to swing it. You only get a chance to swing it if you've got the rest of your stuff on. And then once you do swing the sword, and I will read this exactly. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So the idea is not that you're going to go in there and start rapid-fire quoting Scripture at these people. What you're going to be doing is you're going to be praying. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, comma, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, you are to use in prayer. You're to pray for these people. You're to pray that they will come out, and certainly telling them what the Word of God is is wonderful, but most of them will not hear it. So if you go up to one of these creatures in a pink hat and you start quoting scripture at them, all you're going to do is get a face full of fingernails. They will not hear it because they don't believe it. They don't believe it's valid. They don't believe it's for them. But what you can do is you can pray for them. And as I say, then will come a time, one hopes, when they will hear the word of God. I mean, that's where you want to get them to, to a place where they are ready to hear the word. But understand, if you were to show up in the middle of that woman's march and start quoting scripture, you would be totally ineffective because they won't listen. So, coming back to where we were at the beginning. One of the things that God does in today's Torah portion is he uses the plagues to witness to the Egyptians. That's what he says. So the idea that these idolaters who believe that their king is a god, who believe that they are right to be enslaving the Israelites, God does not give up on those people because they have the same breath that he gave you and me. He wants them. He doesn't give up. And your job is to be one of those drops of rain that falls on the temple and then flows out from there, carrying living water for the healing of the nations. That's what you are. You're a bearer of living water. And the living water is not for you. The living water is for the healing of the nations. That's what the scripture says. You're already healed. You're already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So carrying this around with you is not for you anymore. It's for them. So you got to be righteous, you got to be ready to move, you got to be sure of your message, and you've got to pray for these people. That's your job.